Welcome to Night Out Minute. Uh, I am your host, Darren, and today we're going to be covering minute number 39, which goes from 38 to 38.59 on the clock, if you are following along at home. We start with, um, you know, Marta, first of all, swearing. Uh, swearing a couple of different ways. She drops the F-bomb, and she says, Harlan, it's not here. It's not, oh my God. And then she, you know, she, they kind of look at each other, and she says, where's my phone? Um, and she goes to she goes to dial nine. Well, she doesn't go to dial nine one one. I think she actually does dial nine one one successfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the line cuts off, um, and she kind of they kind of I don't know they they kind of like <laughs> she she goes to try and uh, get her other phone, and he trips her up. I always think it's a kind of funny <laughs> moment uh, that that's how he 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 kind of you know stops her, um, and then you know she's like you know. Uh, you know, this is like kind of she starts saying, you know, it's nuts. Um, and that I think is where the minute ends, doesn't it? It just kind of ends on that mm-hmm. point. Uh, again, the, you know, the mood will change for tomorrow. But uh, joining me to talk about today's episode is Joe Dorosky. Hello, Joe. Hello. Uh, as you said, quite a bit starts to happen, you know, some some action in this room. Yeah, this is this is kind of the most like this is where Harlan, like we said in the previous minute, he's starting to kind of panic. And you can kind of see it on Christopher Plummer's face. And then the fact that she realizes that she hasn't got the uh, naloxone, I think is how they're mm-hmm. saying it. Uh, it's a made up word. Who cares? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a brand name. Um, so <laughs> so she realizes it's not there. Um, this is where Anna Diarmas kind of starts to cry. And we kind of focus on there's like a very brief shot where we kind of focus on Christopher Plummer's face. And he it, kind of as if he's realized what's what's happening um, and then, you know, he hangs up on, you know, when he hangs up the phone and it kind of, you know, it kind of uh, rack focuses to his hand being on the on the receiver, um, you know, and, and, you know, this is you know like kind of uh, I mean, I, I at this point, you know, you, you you really kind of feel for for Marta, you know, like the kind of inner eyes, you, you, you kind of see the tears as she's calling 911. Um, and then it kind of, when he trips her, it kind of turns into confusion a little <laughs> bit um, as to exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the, the, but I, I, we we get uh, in the script, we actually get a, a rare thing, which is side by side dialogue, mm-hmm. where Marta is saying, you know, Harlan, are you crazy? We need to call them. We need to get them here. And of course, you know, he's saying, stop. You know, there isn't time. Um, and as as she trips over, we kind of we we kind of go below and see Joni. Uh, doing some uh, meditation and then we kind of jump straight back into the that's I, it's not the only bit of Joni we'll get we'll get some we'll get some Joni tomorrow um, but it's just this brief kind of you know second of just seeing her quickly so you know we know that she kind of heard this noise um, and then of course Marta saying you know uh, are you nuts um, but yeah I mean you know she's in she's kind of in, in I don't know I, I, I kind of like again as we've said with the previous minutes uh, the mood completely changes as Harlan kind of takes control um, and Marta becomes more panicky. And like I said, you know, there are tears in her eyes already because she is realizing, I think, even before she calls 911 to get the ambulance, he's already told her in the previous minute, the ambulance is too far away. You know, he's got 10 minutes. The ambulance is going to take 15. That's why this is the perfect way to kill someone. And, you know, she is just kind of, I, you know, I think she kind of knows it, but she doesn't kind of, She doesn't really acknowledge it yet. The fact that she is calling 911. Also, uh, I do like as well how she calls on the landline and that like that is kind of a, you know, that 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 feels like a proper detail because it does it does make you think that obviously if Harlem was in his study, 
he wouldn't, you know, even though he's got like an iMac in there, he wouldn't really want to be disturbed. So it feels like having a landline is probably the safest way for him to kind of um, limit distractions. Uh, but then obviously from the point of view of the plot, it works because it gives us the visual of, you know, her holding the receiver and then obviously seeing the finger on the cradle, like hanging it up and then the kind of pull out to see Harlan, who again, Christopher Plummer's demeanor has completely changed in this minute uh, from where we were just two minutes ago. And it's clear that he is basically realizing what is happening, um, you know, just as Marta is kind of catching up, I think. Um but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, again, we've only got these two actors, but it's just, it's a wonderful kind of the interaction between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, and the Armas, it's, you know, a tour de force in this minute, I think. Yeah, it's really great. And one one thing that I thought was interesting is looking at the script, uh, you, you had uh, mentioned in your summary of the minute that it, it, it's a little awkward when he trips her. In the script, it says uh, they trip and fall to the ground with a kathunk. Uh, so the script, it sounds like both of them are going to fall. I think for what we have happening in the story, uh, it, it's going to make more sense for uh, Harlan to be more in control and assertive in this moment. And, you know, if they had both fallen down, I think it's, it naturally create a sense of panic in both of them. And that's, uh, I think it's a good decision yeah. to make it that no, he is tripping her and he is standing and he now has the plan is like forming or fully formed almost immediately in his head as to what is about to, to play out and to keep him in that position of kind of assertive authority uh, by, um, you know, keeping his feet and, and having tripped her instead of like tackling her to the ground, I think was a good, good change from that initial script to what we end up seeing on the film. I mean, I think it makes more sense in the space as well, doesn't it? Like, mm-hmm. it makes more sense that he would just put his, his foot out very quickly and trip her up instead of having to, like, kind of get up and, and tackle her. Yeah. Um, so that is, you know, it's an understandable change. Like, once you're on set, I think it just makes sense to do it that way around. Um, but, yeah, and I think it's interesting because, obviously, in the previous minutes, when he was kind of inquiring as to, you know, this is, this is how you would be able to kill someone, and he was getting the details, obviously... This leads. This, this sets up what's going to happen in the next minute. Effectively, you know, it sets up the motivation. Uh, but I think it's interesting because in his head, obviously, he's already thinking about if this was in if this was in a novel, what would he do? And mm-hmm. he's already started making the notes. And you get the feeling that when she goes, you know, once he realizes what's happening, uh, you know, there is already a plan where if he was writing a book, this is how he would do it. There's there's that one comment that I think is actually setting up this this exchange more where it talked about his writing method. And one of the family members, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. It says he, he always said the plots just came to him fully formed in his head. And uh, part of that is like the romantic idea of the author who it seems like Harlan is definitely leaning into, uh, you know, where, where they don't have to revise and edit, which, you know, isn't true, but it's also trying to make it a little more plausible that as he realizes he's about to die, he's able to create a pretty complex plot almost instantaneously and give her the instructions to carry it out. Uh, and we need uh, to have heard that line of dialogue, and we also need to see the confidence that Christopher Plummer gives uh, the the list of demands that he's about to give uh, uh, to, to Marta. Um, to the sense that yeah. this is someone who's prepared his whole life for these five minutes, <laughs> and, and now he's ready to go. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, uh, from, from kind of an audience point of view, you know, obviously we're in flashback and we're, it's been explained exactly what happened. So we've seen the steps, you know, we've seen he needs the, he needs the morphine. It needs to be a specific dose. 
she's given him the wrong drug she's given him too much of the wrong drug as well which would be the you know which would kill him well yeah and then she gave him the morphine dose of the other drug is what happened right that uh yeah 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 Yeah. so but but you know there's been a mix-up basically and so we've set up you know we figured out the mix-up and then he's obviously asked her you know how long does it take for the person to die? And obviously if we, were, and then of course the fact that he phrases it as like a hypothetical, where he's like, well, if they were in like a country house like this and the ambulance wouldn't get here for, that was a weird way of saying the word ambulance. <laughs> and the ambulance wouldn't get here for like 15 minutes, you know, then obviously you've, there's no chance you'd be dead. And that sets up him hanging up the phone. Like each little piece of this sets up the next part, which is, you know, her panic, the fact that, you know, there is, there is like an antidote to what she's just done, but she can't find it. It's not in the bag. You know, each each tiny kind of each setup in the previous minute sets up what happens in the next minute where, you know, the reason he hangs it up is because he's already told her there's not going to be enough time. You know, the ambulance is going to take 15 minutes. So there's no point. There's no point calling 911. You know, and for the record, I'm not sure if you call 911, I hang up that quickly. I don't know if it it still registers. And but, you know, for the sake of the film, it doesn't. Yeah, Um, I was wondering. I definitely wondered that a little bit. Yeah, I think he hung up quick enough so it didn't. I think another part that's, that works here as far as um, a, like a line of dialogue that makes sense in this moment, but also is cueing the audience is um, like when she is struggling to find uh, the antidote or, or the, the drugs that she's trying, that she now wants to give him because of the mistake that she's realized. And she starts saying, it should be here. And she's like, it's always here in this pack uh, and it's not here. Uh, like it, you're, you're seeing that line as part of her increasing panic and also like a sense of dread, but also like it's, a little bit of mystery as to like like not a, it's not that i forgot to put it in it's that it is part of this pack it, it there's no reason why this should not be here yeah um and yeah. so that you know the it, it, i love it when we get clues in the mysteries that can serve uh to make sense in the exact moment that they're being delivered but then later on when you, when you when you remember it you're like oh it was actually something else at the same time and also of course when she as she's saying you know what are you doing are you nuts it's he's saying at the same time it's too late it's over it's too late i'm dead listen and so you know in the next minute he'll shout listen <laughs> so she listens um you know and he starts saying listen to me yeah. you know but he's 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 saying you know he's already said earlier in you know in the week I don't mind dying, you know, I want to go out with a flourish. And now he's saying, it's over, I'm dead, it's too late. So, you know, it, there's, there's, with each minute yeah. we've had this gradual setup. And like I said, the mood has kind of changed. And it will in the next minute. It's kind of changed so that, you and know, it, gradually we've gone from a, kind of two people being very casual and friendly around each other to, uh, you know, a, a, one of them kind of in a complete panic and the other one kind of, I mean, he kind of gets more calm, but obviously in this moment he has to get kind of angry and say, you know, it's too late, I'm dead. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, yeah. as a viewer as well, you know, you kind of, you're a little sad because obviously, you know, we like Christopher Plummer um, and we like the character of Harlan. <laughs> you know, he seems like a good guy. And and uh-huh. so it, he, when he says that, I think as a viewer as well, you're like, oh no, this is, like, this is what happened. This is it. This is now. This is it happening. Like, and uh, and I think you kind of realize where you are, and it's just how quick it's it's remarkable in these minutes how quickly everything kind of falls apart so fast. Um, and now, obviously, next week, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, there'll be a lot more of the kind of the, I was just the play. Say, um, in in terms of the differing reactions as you gain new context and uh, like like you can look back and say, "Aha! Now I see," and you know all these other elements as as you know new pieces of puzzles are shown. Um, 
this this one is a different reaction of like oh he didn't have to oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's there's this is all like his actual um the confidence with which he proceeds and says this is what must has to be do uh be done is actually tragic uh we're gonna find out uh like everything would have turned out differently if he had not been so assertive and so and so confident that this is what must what the next next step must be like if, if marta had actually had her way here nothing tragic would have happened yeah yeah so uh, yeah i mean watching it a second time obviously everything is is is, com- is completely different isn't it but um yeah i i just i mean you know i like kind of as these minutes have gone on how we you know how harlan you know he, as he said he's in his you know he's in his 80s you know like i think he's kind of accepted uh, what's happening and i think obviously mm-hmm. next week um you know we'll talk about it in tomorrow's episode but next week there's you know there's going to be more of his concern for marta um you know th- this ep- this week is basically marta's concern yeah. for him and then it switches and uh you know it, it, he becomes more concerned about what's going to happen with her um you know again it's kind of her her selflessness as well like she's you know she's not trying to um, you know, save herself and kind of make excuses. She's just trying to kind of do her job and and save Harlan's life. And and you know, like we say, be, you know, if she'd have been allowed to do that, then things would have turned out differently. Uh, but then the film wouldn't have existed because you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we we have to have the version yeah, that we it get. Would, you know, it uh, would have just been. But uh, it is interesting how his his control and his his ability to like plot out and and make things at, you know, is a blessing in so many settings but in this in this particular moment once we get a full knowledge of what happens in the film it actually is what causes an, an unnecessary yeah. death um, always always white men trying to force women to do what they want i mean <laughs> typical uh but yeah so i mean i don't know if there's much more to say today because i think a lot of what's in this minute i think you know we really need to kind of delve into tomorrow um but yeah i mean i would just say that again like the camera work is kind of amazing you know we've had we've had this kind of frantic camera for like you know 30 seconds or so as she's searching and now it's more kind of uh, you know extremely kind of you know solid kind of like single takes you know like it's it's not there's le- there's a little less panic there's still a bit of panic with Marta when she's making the call um but the the scene has become more calm in the in terms of the camera work and you know the little kind of uh the little pan up and uh, and kind of focus to see kind of Christopher mm-hmm. Plummer with his hand on the phone um you know everything is kind of it's becoming less kind of manic um you know yeah, and and it's becoming more plotted, right? Yeah. You know, because he is, uh, you know, he he knows what the next steps are. Whereas when it was uh, Marta having the realization of what was going on, it was all. Uh, I mean, she was trying to to find that, like, she knew what she needed to do, but it was with a sense of panic. And there's no sense of panic from from Harlan. In yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously, uh, you know, mentioned. I think we've mentioned a couple of uh, of Ryan Johnson films throughout the week. Uh, but this is the time to kind of, uh, you know, get into this. Obviously, we both saw this at the cinema. Uh, there is something that I wish to uh, let the audience know, which is uh, Ryan Johnson has this habit or had a habit. He didn't do this for The Last Jedi for uh, legal reasons, I think, um, of releasing a director's commentary that you can listen to in the cinema. Uh, and he implores people to not have their phones out, just to, you know, start it up, wait for the credits to start and then just listen along um, and obviously he advises you not to do this as your first visit at the cinema, uh, but <laughs> instead to, he doesn't put it out straight away either. He gives it like a couple of weeks before he kind of uploads it to his website. Um, and I actually did this for Looper. 
uh, I went to the cinema. I saw Looper uh, on previews about a week before it was officially coming out on release. Um, and then I went back like a week later after it had come out. I don't think it actually hung around that long at the cinema, to be honest with you. It was quite successful, but it was only out for about a month or so. Um, and I listened to a director's commentary in the cinema. Oh, the only time I've ever done this, um, you know, I transferred it, I think, from SoundCloud. I think he'd uploaded it to SoundCloud <laughs> of all places. Um and I sat down in the cinema and I listened to a director's commentary and it was kind of a trippy experience. It's really weird to kind of have like Ryan Johnson kind of explaining stuff that's going on on screen to you while you're sitting in the cinema. Um, and I'm a big fan of director's commentaries. I've got like, I don't know, 900, 1,000 DVDs. And every every single DVD that I've got that's got a director's commentary, I have listened to that director's commentary. Uh, even the ones that are boring or some that kind of, you know, where the director is silent for like half the time. Um, you know, there's some mixed bag director commentaries that have been have been done, especially early on. They weren't quite sure what they were doing with director's commentary. Yeah, I love a director's commentary where the director just points out everything that's on screen. So he'll just tell you the names of all the actors and then he'll tell you all the locations. And he's not giving you real like insight. He's just literally listing stuff as it happens. That's that's a great director's commentary. Um, but I mean, I've got a couple of DVDs of David Fincher stuff where they have multiple director's commentaries. And on seven, there's like, I think, four director's commentaries and like three of them are just like academic ones where like, you know, uh, well, I think there's one that's academic and I think there's one that's just all editing and then there's one that's, that's the score. And it's, it does that thing that uh, is, is a great I think that I think, you know, really, I, I, I wish more DVDs did it where they have the isolated score. But when the score kind of like is not on the screen, you know, not being played, the composer kind of talks about the themes and stuff and discusses what he was trying to do. And, you know, and, and then when the when the when it kind of comes back in, he's like, oh, and then this this, you know, this piece was doing this. And I think that's a, that's, you know, it's a great touch. But yeah, so. I, I saw Looper twice in the cinema. Uh, I saw Last Jedi uh, twice in the cinema. I saw all the most recent Star Wars films twice in the cinema. Uh, I'd seen them normal, and then I went and saw them on IMAX with a friend and his, his sons who were like uh, big Star Wars fans. Um, you know, so... Uh, and then uh, I'm trying to think what else of what else he's done. Obviously, I saw Knives Out at the cinema. Didn't get a chance to see it a second time. Um, so I don't think... I think other than that, I, uh, I, and I, I mean, I bought Brick on DVD uh many 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 years ago uh, i hadn't seen it at the cinema uh but i'd obviously you know i'd read a lot about it and uh so i was like oh you know i'll uh you know this guy seems like an interesting director there's a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff there was like a two disc version and a and there was like a single disc version and uh on the the like uh two disc version there was like a ton of like behind the scenes stuff and uh, and so that you know that I've kind of watched all that. Obviously, I'm also a big fan of uh, the episodes of Breaking Bad that he directed. I know a lot of people, um, I'll I'll say, and not fans of Fly. Uh, <laughs> obviously, a very div divisive episode. Uh, but yeah, so I think Brothers Bloom is the only one of his films that I haven't haven't actually seen at all. Haven't seen it on DVD. Haven't seen it at the, at the, at the cinema. Um, so you know, obviously. Uh, you know there's a i mean it's it's kind of i mean uh i think also that he directed like an episode of terriers i've never seen that um you know so uh but yeah so you know i've seen most of his stuff at some point i will try and make an effort and see blues broom i think when it came out um i don't think it got released over here to be honest with you i think it was so unsuccessful in america that it didn't get it didn't get a uk release which occasionally happens with some films um, so, but you know, I like Rachel Weisz and uh, and Adrian Brody and Mark Ruffalo. You know, so uh, at some point, I will, I, I will, I will probably try and see it. Um, you know, and I think it's isn't it like a film about con men and stuff? 
Um, I, I have not seen no. that one, so I I can't help you on yeah so, <laughs> on the on the plot. I think I think it is about like some con men, and I'm always a big fan of uh, of like uh, con men films where people con stuff. Um, you know, I've seen uh, um, I've seen oh, what, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name now. Uh, David Mamet. He he likes to do stuff about con games and all that kind of stuff. So I always find I always mm. find that kind of stuff kind of interesting. Um, so you know, I'll, maybe I'll see it. But uh, what is your record with uh, with Ryan Johnson? Obviously, you've seen Knives Out at the cinema. Um, yeah, and I saw Last Jedi, and I've seen his Breaking Bad episodes, but I have not seen much else uh, from him. And uh, I should because I've enjoyed all of those that I have seen. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's not an avoidance issue. It's just the there's too much out there that's to be seen and to be read <laughs> uh, that it, it's hard to get to everything that's kind of on your, Oh, I should watch that one list. Yeah. I think it's interesting because obviously um, Bruce Willis is a notorious asshole. Like literally people hate working with him uh, once they've worked with him. Um, so it's, and again, you know, uh, I'm sure if, if, if uh, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to kind of disparage the relationship between Ryan Johnson and Bruce Willis, but it's interesting that Bruce Willis didn't come back for any role in this gigantic, um, you know, uh, film that had tons and tons and tons of, of roles. Uh, you know, I feel like maybe in better times, Bruce Willis would have been the Don Johnson role in this film, you know, like that feels like something that would have happened. Um but but you know, a Looper is probably one of the last good Bruce Willis performances that I've seen. Um, I, in fact, I would say um, between that and Moonrise Kingdom, that's those are the last two decent roles that Bruce Willis is like. He just seems bored with life and bored with acting. Um, but he's got a new wife and he's got yeah, young kids, so he's got to keep making films. Uh, you know, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, Looper is Looper is really good. You know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is great. Okay. You know, uh, Jeff Daniels is great. Uh, Noah Segan, of course, is in Knives Out Minute, and he's also <laughs> in uh, in Looper, and I think he's also in uh, Brick as well. Uh, I think he's like kind of been in every Ryan Johnson film, and uh, yeah. So you know, I would say that's worth, that's certainly worth seeing. Like I say, I haven't seen Brothers Broom, and again, uh, Brick is. Uh, I mean, now it's like sixteen years ago. It seems seems insane that it was uh, it was that long ago. <laughs> um, but uh, when you know when I saw it on uh, on uh, DVD, I was like, oh, this is you know, like you watch it, and um, you know, it's 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 set in like a real like it was filmed around a real like school, um, and so it's kind of you know it's it's taken like a specific kind of genre and kind of setting it in a completely different setting, um, and I think it it kind of works really well, um, you know, in terms of it, it, how effectively it does that. Um, and there, you know, there's a lot of kind of like um, special effects, which on you know, because of the budget were done kind of in camera, basically. <laughs> um, so it's you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see that. Um, but yeah, and and of course Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, is in Brick and uh, and he's in Looper, and of course uh, I think his voice is also he makes a voice cameo in in this film. Um, yes, some sort of cameo yeah. is in uh, Last Jedi as well with him. Yes, yeah. So obviously, um, you know, uh, Ryan is obviously a fan of working with him. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, I also, uh, I, you know, I really enjoyed Last Jedi. Uh, you know, there's a moment where a ship jumps into another ship and the entire thing goes silent. And, uh, you know, seeing that on IMAX uh, with a sold out crowd, it was amazing. You know, like the, the kind of 
the silence in the in the cinema was just a it was a it's a really clever kind of use of of sound design and stuff like that. So um, you know, I'm sure other than obviously the, the you know the the nice out sequel which has been announced, uh, you know it, whatever he he plans on doing in the future, I certainly will you know go to the cinema to see. Um, but yeah, I would say if you haven't seen Looper or uh, or Brick, then definitely check those out. Uh, you know, and if I can if I can find where Blo- Brothers Bloom is streaming or whatever, I might try and see that before the next time I'm a host on this. Uh, but yeah, you can... it's it's a very strange media world where it feels like everything is more accessible, but also less accessible than it's ever well, yes, been. Yes, 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 and you know I don't want to rant about uh, streaming and everything, but there's a reason why I've got hundreds of DVDs. First of all, because I've been collecting them for twenty yep. years, uh, but also because you can't take those DVDs off me. Well, somebody could, I suppose, by force, but I don't know why they would do that. Um, you know, uh, uh, and especially not during a pandemic. That just seems, you know, that seems like that would be ill-advised to try and break into my flat just to to take my DVDs. Um, but you know, there was a there was a film that I was watching on a streaming service uh, last month. You know, I went. I thought, oh, you know, I I, I you know I wanted to watch it again. Uh, went back to it, and now it's three ninety nine for a standard definition rental. And I'm like, last month it was free. You know, last month it was part of the platform. This month I'm having to pay for it. I'm sure next month it'll be seven ninety nine, and then the month after that it'll be free again. Like, um, you know, I, I obviously it is expensive to to buy DVDs, and I guess you know maybe that's a sign of a certain a certain level of privilege. Although, like I said, I've been collecting them for twenty something years, and I'm I rarely do rarely do I pay full price for a DVD. I you know I generally wait for it to get to a reasonable price before I buy it. But um, you know, I, I've you know I've got copies of the I've got copies of the Star Wars trilogy that you know they they can't mess about with digitally even if they do put them onto a service to be streamed, you know the, my copy on my DVD isn't going to change. Uh, so end all streaming services now is what I'm saying. Um, but uh, yeah, so if I can find <laughs> Brothers Bloom somewhere to watch for a you know a reasonable price, then I probably would. In fact, I could probably get it off Amazon on DVD for like a pound um, because I don't think it did that well. Uh, but at the same time, generally films that don't do that well aren't easy to find. That's the problem. Is it's only the successful films that are easily available to most people. Um, you know, as I said to, which can become a self fulfilling prophecy of marketing. Yes, well, I mean, as I said to a friend many many years ago, like there are some. I mean, there are some films that I still own on VHS because they never went to DVD because they weren't like profitable enough to go to DVD. And now we're onto Blu-ray, and there are some films that I've got on DVD that aren't available on Blu-ray, and probably will never be available on Blu-ray because they weren't successful enough to, to justify. So with each gradual step, we're getting further and further away from having, um, you know, an archive that people can, you know, a film archive that truly kind of preserves everything. Instead, it's just studios picking and choosing what things to to put out. Um, you know. So, but anyway, that's the end of that particular rant. All I'm saying is, watch some Ryan Johnson stuff. He's, you know, he's a good director. Um, so uh, I don't think there's anything else to say about this minute and I'm, you know we're eager to get on to tomorrow when we can discuss spoilers and really kind of get into um, you know what's ha- what happens after after you know um, Marta gets tripped um, so is there anything that you wish to plug before we go Joe? Uh, yeah just real quick uh, I, I mentioned on Monday that I host the protagonist podcast and that is hosted on the uh, podcast network called Dueling Genre which has all sorts of pop culture oriented podcasts so if you're interested in listening to some more pop culture podcasts you could go to duelinggenre.com and see an array of options there uh, and if you want to catch us you can uh, find us on Twitter at Knives Out Minute and also on Facebook although I would say less interaction on Facebook we've had some nice interaction on knives out minute uh on on twitter so you know uh and i don't know what the website is for this just search for just search for knives out minute you'll find it (laughs) 
Um, and obviously, when you do find it, please rate and review uh, or subscribe or whatever, you know, whatever you wish to do. Uh, I think uh, with daily podcasts, you know, when you subscribe, it starts to get very overwhelming because you get if you don't listen daily, you'll get behind very, very quickly. So I can understand some people maybe not wanting to uh, end up with a bunch of unlistened to episodes in their subscriptions. Um, so, you know, that's an understandable feeling. Uh, but thanks for joining me today, Joe, to talk about uh, this particular minute. Uh, hopefully you'll be back tomorrow for the final episode of this week. I'm planning on it. I will speak to you then.